GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. Good to be back here after some leave. I really enjoyed Kelly's podcasts over the past two weeks. Isn't she a star? She had some great guests too. Right, today, works continued to clean heavy fuel oil from the coastline. The Department of the Environment CEO, Dr. Liesel Mezilio, was in the studio, feeling optimistic about the clean-up. The dog park at the north end of Eastern Beach will take priority over previously announced dog parks at Queensway and Nuffield Pool. Our reporter, Katie Docker, had the details. And this weekend, Gibraltar will host one of its biggest e-gaming competitions to date. More from Stuart Harrison. But first, the former police commissioner, Ian McGrail, has been released from arrest and is no longer suspected of any criminal offences. Our news editor, Christine Vasquez, joined us moments after the news broke. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. That's right, Jonathan. So with these final two um, arrests, which were the for misconduct in public office, contrary to common law, and unlawful obtaining of personal data uh, under the Data Protection Act. That means that for the time being, as investigations continue, this, his slate has completely been wiped clean. He was um, arrested also originally on conspiracy to obtain unauthorised access to computer material and that was dropped. It's very difficult to use the terminology because no charges have been dropped, no charges were ever made. We do know as well that there, there was there were charges against him on sexual assault that actually went to court. It was heard in the magistrate's court and he was found not guilty. So we've got the inquiry coming up, but apart from that, there are no suspicion. He is not under suspicion of anything whatsoever. Now, Christine, um, the Royal Gibraltar Police didn't name uh, the former police commissioner when they arrested him. GBC did. Uh, And can you remind us, you took the view, we took the view, that because he was a person of interest with a public profile already, that it was suitable. To, to name him. Yes, um, we, we did think at the time, we think we, we stand by what we thought, that it was in the public interest. And um, the Royal Gibraltar Police, you're right, Jonathan, didn't name him. But um, the senior investigating officer, John McVeigh, did make a public statement. And as we know, we, we don't have senior investigating officers making public statements of any Tom, Dick and Harry. So they did do that immediately after the first arrest. Uh, As we say, investigations are continuing. We know that there's a former police officer who has been arrested on having fabricated uh, an entry supporting an allegation against the former um, police commissioner, Ian McGrail, and a current police officer, probably not current now, for attempting to pervert the course of justice. So those investigations uh, surrounding the inquiry are continuing, but for the time being, uh, despite having uh, uh, GBC having followed those arrests that we've brought to you, Ian McGrail, the former Commissioner of Police, has been is not under suspicion of any wrongdoing. Okay, so um, the um, lawyers acting for Ian McGrail, Gomez and Co, have just given GBC a, a comment. Ian McGrail is eager for the inquiry 
to take its course and remains positive and confident. And Christina, a reminder that that inquiry is happening in September or starts in September and is going to be broadcast live. Well, we, I, we don't know if it's going to be 100% live. We're waiting to finalise the terms and conditions, but uh, certainly with perhaps a, a short time lag, a, a short delay, uh, it will be broadcast by GBC. That's right. So um, originally we thought we weren't going to be able to broadcast it live. And uh, after submissions from GBC, uh, there is that that go ahead. It will be broadcast, as you say, we still need to um, cross the T's and dot the I's. But yes, it will be broadcast. Whether or not it takes place in September with so many things surrounding it uh, remains to be seen. There are some who are doubtful that it will take place in September, but as you say, scheduled for September at the Garrison Library. All right. Christine Vasquez, the GBC News Editor, thank you for joining us. We're joined now by the Chief Executive Officer of the Department of the Environment, uh, Dr. Liesel Mezilio. Uh, thank you for joining us. What's the latest? Thank you very much, Jonathan. Um, the latest is we continue to work full speed ahead. We've made significant progress over the weekend. Because of the oil and the amount of oil that was spread on the rocky coastline, we took the view this weekend that we wanted to uh, try our best to reduce the long-term environmental damage from that oil seeping out from that rocky intertidal zone. So with that in mind, we decided to bring in some equipment and lift some of the heavy boulders um, and heavy rocks that had been soiled with oil. This will allow us to clean them effectively on site. I have to say that... On, on site? Off site, off site. Okay. Um, every single rock that has been removed um, from the zone has been checked personally, either by myself or my colleagues. Um, to ensure that we're minimizing the disturbance to marine life and to the ecosystem. Um, and in doing so, we've been able to get in under the nooks and crannies, if you were, of that intertidal zone and be more, much more effective in our cleanup. And dare I say, um, confidently, I might add, that um, I think because of the efforts this weekend, we've mitigated at least 70 to 80% of the long-term environmental impact by taking those decisions. Say that again, 70 to 80%, you think? I think so. We've been able to remove a lot um, of material of... Even today, we're, we're now moving from the big hard rocks, which some of them weighed a ton um, or more, to now being able to get under all those areas... Um, cleaned. Now we're, we're taking away the small pebbles, the sand, again, washing all of that. Um, so by doing this, the leaching into the marine environment, which would have taken months, has been severely, drastically reduced. OK, um, talk to us a little bit about uh, the actual uh, contaminant itself. It's heavy fuel oil, um, which, as I understand it, is particularly damaging to the environment. No? Yes, so like Minister said, it is thick, tarry oil whatever has come into contact um, with it will have will have perished. It will take us a long time to quantify um, the full effects on the marine environment. What we have been doing, though, is we have been cataloging everything, every single limpet, every single crab or, or whatever we have found that has been affected. 
I am happy to say it might seem silly, but we have rescued a few small crabs, cleaned them and put them back somewhere else. For us, all marine life is precious. Um, and, you know, we will keep at this. Once we've done the heavy lifting and the heavy shifting now, we walk, We will move on to manual cleaning and this will take weeks. We did ask the RGP and they've been assisting us in doing regular night patrols. It is a work site at the moment. It's not safe. People have been taking their dogs. They could get full of oil. So I would ask the public, if at all possible, for the time being to refrain from going. And certainly to avoid um, having any barbecues there. You wouldn't, your department licenses them, no? Absolutely. Um, so they would need to get a license from us and we would not issue one for Roger Bay at this moment in time. I think heavy fuel oil can contain um, uh, very extremely flamm- flammable gas, hydrogen sulphide. Uh, so take care, people, and, and, and seek the proper permissions and get the proper advice before doing any barbecues and not for now. Okay, Dr. Mizilio, uh, thank you for joining us and best of luck with the remainder of the clean-up operation. Best thank of you luck. very much. Hope it goes well. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. So esports and gaming are, are technically different, two different things. In terms of esports, and this is kind of the longer-term angle we have in terms of, of yeah, you're playing computer games, but you're doing it safely. You know, we do look at things like caffeine addiction, sleep, healthy diets, you know, playing safely, you know, how much time you're playing. Caffeine the- addiction, you said, because what, because uh, it's it, it's quite normal to, to use caffeine in, in an energy drink, for example, to, to have a long session? To have a long session, to increase your reactions, become actually better at the game. Obviously, yeah, For in terms of the short term, you, you do perform better in the game, but the long term has massive uh, effects on the person who's, who's doing it, so... You're talking about a 13, 14-year-old year old kid who shouldn't be having caffeine in the first place and is using caffeine to better their game. This this is dangerous. So right. we either you can either ignore it or we can actually do something really positive about it, you know, bring it around the table, create these types of events, get the conversations going, you know, and, and use use education to as a as a tool to actually make kids play games safer and better. And in the long term, I think it's a, it's a much better uh, way of doing things. So, um, what is the educational line on children, uh, uh, not children, young people, you, you, you say 13, 14, uh, and caffeine? Is it to avoid it altogether? Well, the law says it is illegal to buy, you know, energy drinks if you're under certain age. So, technically, it is, it's illegal, full stop. Um, but a, a parent could could buy it for you, no? Uh, so, so for the, the you purchasing or... is illegal, but but you, you, the advice is not to consume it either, not to have any caffeine drinks. I think the advice is not to drink large amounts of caffeine or caffeine from the Coca-Cola and stuff. And other drinks that have caffeine, small amounts. Yeah, but obviously the law is is quite clear in terms of any drinks and, and actually buying them as well. So this is seen as as an issue, and it's not just something that we have obviously come up with. We before we started the esports coaching at the academy, we actually approached the universities, the the safer gaming unit up there. They actually produced a paper for us in terms of where where are the danger areas in terms of of, of esports and and competing in, in esports, and it was an eye opener um, to what what came out from from that from that research, and obviously allowed us to actually tackle that in the academy. We do our esports sessions. On a weekly basis, you know, we do we do cover these these danger areas that were highlighted to us, and one of them was caffeine, and was sleep deprivation, and was uh, eating. One was playing for too long, 
Um, all of these things can have long-term effects on children and, and adults the same. No, I don't think it's just here to be just to just assume children alone. The thing is, yeah, we are focusing at children. We're looking at obviously in terms of frequency. We're looking at youth. You know, engaging engaging youth into 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 new technologies, into new entertainment sectors. And you know, and creating a safe space for them to actually do this. Well, I suppose, as you say, it's not just young people, but but young people will be forming new behaviours and also are going through changes, their bodies and their minds. And you want to you want to get them into good habits. And and one of those, I suppose, should be sleeping well and trying to keep a, a regular sleep pattern which could help you uh, for, for many years to come. Uh, and I suppose one of the challenges with with um, uh, with, with gaming generally uh, uh, is that you a, a lot of it can happen internationally and, and you, you might be playing uh, against somebody who's uh, you know uh, wide awake in another time zone but but it's the middle of the night for you and, and you're locked away in your bedroom and, and playing when perhaps your parents hope that you're sleeping. Yeah, I, I don't, again, I've been a teacher for 13 years and I can tell you for a fact that, that kids do stay up far too late uh, playing computer games. Some will not do their homework because a new game has come out. So the gaming does have an effect on, on youth in terms of sleep and, and work and schooling to an extent. And I don't think we can avoid that. And so you, th- you're not saying don't do it, you're saying... Do it properly. Do it properly. Do it safely. You know, I think I think by educating, understanding the dangers, and facing them, tackling them, and talking about them, I think everyone comes to a conclusion that it's best to to face things and to put things in place to to reduce the risks which are associated with this. Excellent. So, so this is a, a positive uh, two-day tournament that you're organising at Boyd's with a top prize worth a thousand pounds. Pretty pretty good for a teenager, no? Potentially. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think it's a really exciting thing. It's one of the things. It's one of the first times we're doing such a, such a big event. Again, the prize had to be a big one as well. No, I think the sponsors who have come forward, regenerous sponsors, Najib Telecom, Hassan's, you know, Air, Betfred, Boyd's, you know, they put they put the money up front as well because obviously they can see the potential that this has got, and again, it can be a really really cool thing that can have massive long term effects. So to bring people around the table, to bring them in for the door. We have to have a really cool prize, you know. I think a thousand pounds does resonate with all. That's that's a big price, um, and that's what we want to do. You look at other esports events around the world; the prizes are absolutely huge. You know, your people make livings out of these things. I'm not I'm not saying that this is people going to make a living from esports in Gibraltar, but at least it's an extremely um, incentive incentive prize to put put across to them. You know, they want to play, they want to compete. Well, Stuart Harrison, thank you so much for joining us and best of luck this weekend. Thank you very much. Katie Docker um, is our unofficial dog correspondent. <laughs> uh, dog lover and dog correspondent. Katie, what's, um, y- you put questions to the government. Yeah, so uh, this morning on our social media, you may have seen a photo of my beautiful chihuahua that accompanied an update on the local dog park situation. It's a story that, I've, as you know, I've been following for years now. Um, I mean, my dog would probably hate a dog park. She prefers the company of humans. Um, but I know there are so many dogs in Gibraltar and many of them would 
really, really love a place to stretch their legs and run free without breaking the law, especially as most people here don't have gardens or large outdoor spaces that their pets can enjoy. So you're supposed to, if you've got a dog and you're walking it, you're supposed to have your dog on the leash. That's right, yeah. The only place at present, I believe, that uh, dogs can officially be off the lead is uh, the stone path above the Alameda car park. Um, But over the years, various other locations have been promised by the government. The latest one announced recently is near Eastern Beach. The government says this will include separate areas for smaller and larger dogs. Showers and benches are included in the plans, which have now been granted planning permission. So that's a good step forward. But what about the other dog parks that they've announced? I mean, in their 2019 manifesto, the GSLP Liberals pledged to upgrade the dog area in Alameda. And they also promised to complete the previously proposed dog park by the Nuffield Pool and a dog park in Queensway with purpose-built facilities, rather, was also announced at the time in 2019. So, you know, we've had COVID, which has delayed things, um, but um, it's it's been almost four years since since then. And I asked the government for an update on these. And a spokesperson said they'd been overtaken by other events and that although they were not discarded, the park at Eastern Beach would take priority. So um, I posted this update earlier on our social media and we received quite a few comments. We always do on, on pet-related stories. Um, I'll, I can read a few of them yes, if you're please. interested. Yes, yeah. please. So Cheryl said, so in other words, they're not going to make a dog park in the other two locations. Diana said, dog owners have been waiting for years. Until I see it, I won't believe it. Sylvia said, one can tell elections are around the corner, followed by a red angry face emoji. Um, And then Gabrielle said, our little fairy friends have never been a priority. The discussion on dog parks have been going on for like 12 years minimum. Come on. So I think that, you know, while people are excited about the idea, and rightly so, I mean, the dog park in Eastern Beach looks great, some are understandably a bit mistrusting, having been promised various dog parks in the past that are so far not here. Extraordinary few years, though, with, <laughs> with sure. COVID and, and the Brexit uncertainty continues as well. But Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's always other things that are important. Um and, but let's see, let's hopefully one day soon Gibraltar's dogs will be running around enjoying their new park in Eastern Beach. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand.